Okay, welcome guys. Welcome back to my channel, The Real Talk Podcast. This is your host, Jojo. Uh, thank you guys for tuning in again. Um, I have a special guest today. Uh, she is my former colleague, uh, definitely someone who knows a lot about mental health. Uh, as you guys know, I work in the mental health field, and so this is a perfect opportunity to bring this special guest along. Uh, her name is Denise. Uh, Denise, you want to give the people here a quick synopsis of who you are and what you do? Yeah, definitely. So I'm Denise. I am a licensed clinical social worker, and I've been working in um, the mental health field for a little over three years now. Um, and I actually met uh, Joe while we worked together in community mental health. So what we've known each other for over two years. Yeah, two years now. Yeah, um, I was his supervisor, his direct supervisor, but no longer. So thank you for having me in this po on this podcast. Yeah, anytime, anytime. I'm, I looked at what uh, you offer, and I just thought this was the perfect opportunity to bring you on for an episode. And uh, this was on my mind forever. You know, as I was planning out this episode, you know, I thought this, you know, you would be the perfect guest to come on and. Uh, speak on your worldviews and your perspective on this topic and to let you guys know uh, This topic is going to be about uh, childhood and its effect on our career paths and Before I get started, I would like to do as I always do a mental health check-in and uh, My question to you Denise is from a scale to 1 to 10 How are you today mentally? like I, I I'm at a solid eight today um, which is a little higher than normal um, so I actually just uh, had my last day at my previous job um, and then I'm going to be starting a new job next week so it's something that I'm really looking forward to so I'm feeling pretty positive about it what about you perfect perfect yeah so for me I would say I'm probably she's she left my job and so uh, I would say I'm lower than what she is, but uh, actually I'm probably at uh, seven and a half today. You know, I feel like that's pretty much like my baseline is a good seven and a half. You know, um, there's always a lot of things to do in, you know, my day and always try to stay active. And so um, I say for me, I'm about a seven and a half. Uh, I feel like I'm doing well uh, physically. Um, I'm active. I'm not sick. Um, bills are being paid. Uh, my car is actually coming back in the shop, and so I'd say I'm feeling I'm feeling average. I'm feeling good, you know. Uh, can't complain. Um, yeah, I'd say about a seven and a half. Seven and a half is pretty good, considering yeah. like the work that you do every single day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. So going back to the topic of my podcast, um, like I said, the episode is going to be about our childhood and its effect on our career paths. And I like to start off with an opening quote that I got from um, this person named Dave Ramsey. And he said, people on average change their career job at least 10 times in their lifetime. And I think that is actually, you know, a, a true statement. I feel like a lot of people that I see, um, younger olds are always going from job to job and um, sometimes you can be really indecisive on where you are in life and sometimes you know you always want to find find the right fit and so um, yeah. I, yeah no I agree and I also just kind of feel like with our generation now I think it's less and less for our generation to stay in a job for what like 15 20 years like when our parents were working back then mm -hmm. um, I just feel like there's so many opportunities and that there's there's like this whole movement to be able to feel like, oh, okay, like you can change your jobs and like, it's not gonna be so stigma, like you're, it's not a stigma to change your jobs so frequently. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yes. I mean, like we all can't figure out, you know, where we wanna go in life just, you know, just like that. You know, we definitely have to go through some certain trials, you know, to figure out where we are and where we stand. And uh, also I have another uh, statistic here um, I got this statistic from the Balanced Careers, and it says from ages 18 to 24, they change jobs an average of 5.7 times. Uh, between 25 and 34 years old, they change jobs an average of 2.4 times. 
the average goes down again to 2.9 jobs between ages 35 and 44, mm -hmm. and then to 1.9 jobs between the ages of 45 and 52. And so, uh, like I said before, you know, a lot of times in life, you know, you don't really know which direction that you're gonna go, but at times, you know, it's always good to test the waters and test different jobs. And um, yeah, I mean, I definitely see it happening. You know, I definitely um, see myself, you know, testing different jobs. And so um, there's never really been a job that I've been at where I've stayed long-term, you know. Um, you always wanna fill out different jobs, you know? So Denise, yeah. what, do you, what do you feel about no, that? No, I was gonna say, just like, it, I think it's okay if you end up staying at a job for one month and then you realize that it's something that you hate and you're actually really miserable in it. And like, it's fine, like it's okay to change jobs. And like, I feel like, at least for myself, since I started working, what, when I was after, like, so after undergrad, I've like had so many different jobs, right? It's like the, it's the only way to kind of figure out what you really like, what you really want to do, what you're really passionate about. So I don't know, I, I don't see a point in staying in a job where you don't feel passionate about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you definitely want to have a job that you can wake up and you can feel like, yeah, I'm ready to go to work. Um, you definitely don't want to find a job where you wake up in the morning and you're not feeling like going to work and, you know, it's a pain, it's a struggle. It's it's almost like you're pulling teeth, you know, just to get to work. And so you definitely want to find, you know, a place where it's your niche and it's um, you're at your comfort zone being able to go there. Um, and so for you, Denise, you know, like you said, you've, you've went from job to jobs, you know, after graduation. Um, and so were you always set in stone on what you wanted to do in life and um, career wise? No, definitely not. Okay. okay. I mean, so growing up, like, I think my parents had always my parents had always like expected me to go into some sort of like helping profession but the helping profession was either um you know being a doctor or being a lawyer or you know some profession that was going to be making a lot of money and that was going to provide you job stability um like you know for my entire life i always thought that i was going to go to medical school and then you know i majored in biology and i was pre-med undergrad after graduating from undergrad I took a job in doing research um, and I worked in research for um, like about six years and I was just like, I have no idea what I wanted to do. I was like, I don't love medicine that much, but I love mental health. That was something I knew I wanted to do and I didn't see the point in going to medical school and doing, you know, like 10 years of like schooling. Um, just to be a psychiatrist so I could prescribe meds. So I did some exploration. Um, I like talked to some like coworkers um, and someone had mentioned like social work school. So that was like the direction I ended up going. Um, and I'm really happy with that career choice. Um, you know, I, so it was not, definitely not set in stone for me. How about you? Uh, for me, I mean, I'm still, I mean, only have my bachelor's in psychology and, um, as people know, I'm still working towards getting my master's um, after four years of being out of college. And so um, for me, I'm still trying to figure out my place in this world. Um, I mean, I do love to work. I do love to work in the mental health field. Um, I've been working in the mental health field for about four years. And so obviously that says a lot, you know, that I, you know, like, you know, that field of choice. And so, um, I mean, I've, you know, I took a psychology course in high school and I think I was always intrigued you know about the topics of mental health and always uh, questioned you know why people do certain things and why are why are people going through the emotions and so I was always so intrigued by that and so that's why I kind of went that route you know starting in college and um, even in college you know I was able to uh, stick with that all four years and so um, and even you know, post-graduation, I was able to find a job in uh, mental health. But, um, you know, I'm still young, you know, I'm still in my mid-20s. So I'm still in the gist of life. I'm still testing water, seeing where in the mental health fields, where I stand. And so um, it's still a work in progress. You know, I, I feel like, you know, I like what I do, but um, I definitely want to figure out, you know, what the true passions are. 
Was that something you wanted to do even when you were younger? Uh, uh, no. So how young are you talking about? Huh? How young are we talking about? I don't about? know, like growing up as a kid and then like, you know, I'm sure you probably had an idea of maybe like when you were in college of what you maybe wanted to study when you went to college, or I mean in high school, where you wanted to, what you wanted to study when you went to college. When I was in college, um, like, I was... Ha- like, how did you choose psychology? Yeah, so in high school, I, I was very intrigued, you know, with the class and just the the studies with Sigmund Freud. I was always very intrigued by it. Um, and I always knew that, you know, there was all, also this flexibility with psychology and um, you can do so much with that major. And so that's the reason why I chose it. But at the time, I was still kind of unclear. But the back of my mind was like, OK, you know, if I was really passionate about it, I can go towards being a, a psychiatrist or psychologist. And so I always had that in the back of my mind, you know, growing up. But it wasn't you know, set in stone, though. But it was more like something I wanted to, you know, at least try it out and, you know, experience. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, yeah. so. Yeah, so, I mean, we can also move on. Um, I know with a lot of decisions we make in life, career-wise, you know, there's always the need for, you know, role models and support. Um, were there any people or any role models in your life that you were able to, uh, having your life that helped you out? Yeah, so I think my mom. Um, so my mom was a huge role model in my life growing up. Um, she quit her job when she had my sister and I, so I'm a twin. Um, so my mom ended up quitting her job and she became like our full-time caretaker and she had always really um, emphasize the importance of just like hard work and like education um and just like always like striving for the best and always like doing like more like more than what they were able to um like provide for us so i mean like i think my mom had instilled a lot of like good values um and a lot of good beliefs um for me and it like really shaped me to be like who i am today and like you know where i am in my career Absolutely. And it's really important that you have, you know, that support system, because um, as you know, where we used to work together, you know, there are people who don't really have the support. Mm -hmm. And for those reasons, you know, either they're homeless or they're just so isolated and, you know, they're they have these symptoms uh, because they're so isolated. And so I think it's just very important that you have that support system. So whenever you're down in the dump, you know, you have that person to help you out or with that support they able to prevent those things from happening and so i think it's really important that you know we have that support yeah like you know yeah like you know any sort of support interpersonal supports i feel like are like they're really great protective factors right like you know even if you were unfortunately diagnosed with maybe a severe mental illness diagnosis or even if you were you know diagnosed with something like depression or anxiety but just having a good base for support really helps you to feel like you can rely on someone you can depend on them and they can really help help you navigate those challenges so you know it's it's definitely acts as a protective factor and i definitely feel blessed to like have you know not only my mom but also my dad and my sister who like i'm very close with hey awesome awesome that's very awesome that's a very good answer um and so yeah i mean like you said with the the symptoms and um how people have felt um you know with support and without support um always think about you know the process of you know traumas and the process of healing from your traumas and overcoming fear and i remember for me you know growing up you know always had certain fears that i wanted to overcome but i always had trouble um you said you had the support but for me i didn't really have uh much support from my parents um it was more like uh for me um i think my parents they always had that tough mentality. It was like, all right, you know, you're going through this, you can just pick yourself right up and then just go along. You know, life goes on, you know, it's, it's, you should never frown upon certain things. You can always get over it, get over the hump and um, try new ways to, to get better. And so that was pretty much my parents' approach. Um, was and from, it like tough love? More like, yeah, more like tough love. It was more like, um, you know, you could figure things out, you know, on your own sort of thing. Did my, you feel like it was cultural? 
I think, yeah, it was definitely more of a cultural thing because um, for my parents, you know, they always, they, they grew up in a different environment than we did. Mm-hmm. And so they grew up in the country of Nigeria. And so they had to work, you know, for what they wanted. And uh, they actually had to provide, you know, for the siblings um, when the parents were working. They had to go the extra mile to, you know, provide food for the, you know, for the family. Um, so my mom, you know, she was one of the oldest of many siblings. And my dad um, was a middle child, but he also had to um, provide, you know, for the family, um, just like as a parent. And so they try to instill that into us, you know, the kids, because that's pretty much how they grew up. Mm-hmm. And so um, for me, you know, I was a little softy as a little kid. And so um, my parents were kind of uh, uh, emphasized on just getting over the hump and just doing things on your own and so for me it kind of um how do i say it you know i wasn't able to be receptive to that and so that's the reason why i wasn't i was i dealt with so much fear and i was very shy um and for the most part i was also the youngest too out of you know five children and so um i was very shy you know i didn't really know how to approach people and i remember that was one of my things that i wanted to do was overcome my shyness um, I also had a problem with public speaking as a little kid, and so that was one of my biggest fears. And but so, look at you now doing this podcast. Exactly, I'm here now making a podcast. That was it. Definitely took a lot, you know. Um, if you'd asked me a year from now or two years from now that I was going to make a podcast, I would say hell no. But you know, here I am now making a podcast. You know, I, I'm definitely um, doing what I can to overcome my fears. You know, with public speaking. Um, and this is like a presentation right here. This is, this feels good, right? Here. It feels good being able to, you know, um, use my voice and use my perspectives and uh, have an audience, you know, of who knows, whoever's watching this or listening, you know, to, you know, hear this and, and can relate. And so it's it's a good feeling too. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it, I mean, it sounds like you definitely had a lot of challenges that you faced growing up um, and, just like having that cultural component to it as well like I it's something that I can definitely empathize with and I understand you know I was I'm like a first generation like American my both my parents were born and raised in China and they both kind of had that like tough love mentality like you know you pull yourself up by your bootstraps sort of mentality Um, and you know they worked really hard to be able to you know have a life in China but then also when they immigrated here to the United States like they worked so hard to be able to like provide the life that they could provide for like my sister and I and I think that's where a lot of this like you know my mom like really wanted my sister and I to have this like tough mentality and not like any let let small things bring you down or even if you were going through something really hard emotionally or you know whatever was going on in your life my mom always was just like okay well you know you can get over it that's fine like you don't you know just just do it just do what you need to do to get over it and that's where I feel like I like grew with thicker skin was because of my mom she was like she was a very tough lady so yeah I mean so I can empathize with that I definitely can okay so are you still kind of going through that healing process today yeah um like Oh, just like in regards to just like trauma from childhood? Yeah, just like from any kind of traumas, like from childhood Mm -hmm. or just even just any sort of traumas, you know, that you're that you've dealt with Um, or even like over overcame, but Mm -hmm. still it kind of lingers, you know, I mean, so it's so I, I guess like the one thing that I can think about that was the hardest thing for me during my childhood was being asian but living in like a white suburban neighborhood and i felt like that was like in a way i think at the time i didn't realize how like how traumatizing it almost impacted my life um and how much of my life i like really neglected my culture and like my ethnicity um you know growing up i would only i would you know i had like the white Barbie dolls with the blonde hair, blue eyes, and I hated the way I looked. So, like, I think 
from that, like from childhood experiencing that and feeling really out of place and at times like, you know, experiencing racism, like at school. Um, and like that really carried on actually like through college, I like really ignored my like cultural identity a lot. And it wasn't until after college, maybe in my like mid twenties, I started kind of um, rediscovering myself and being a little bit more educated and having a better idea of like what cultural identity means to me. Um, so that that was something that was really challenging. And it was something that I, I guess I never talked to my parents about. You know, my parents had always told me growing up, you know, you need to be just like your white friends. You have to be like them. You know, don't tell them that, you know, your parents practice Buddhism. You know, you should go to church with them every Sunday. Like you need to be Christian because that's like the white thing to do. Like that's how you're gonna fit in. You need to be westernized. And like that was just like what they instilled in me. And, and I think like they did that. So as like for me to be able to survive in society and not have um, a lot of like, you know, potential racism, criticism based on my appearance or like, you know, let that hinder me from like being able to advance like career wise or, you know, I guess just in life in general, like they were, they always like were scared of that. Like, you know, us being Asian in a predominantly like white society would set me back. So that was, yeah. It must've been a lot of pressure <laughs> yeah. to actually have to fill that role and have to be something that you're not. Mm -hmm. And it's, wow, that's crazy. That's so crazy to me. And so um, that kind of moves on to my next question. You know, um, how has our adolescent years, um, high school, college, or post-grad shaped us? And so, um, I mean, I could start, you know. Um, I know with at my adolescent years, you know, my younger days, um, I know I was a very shy kid and I dealt with a lot of issues with uh, um, coming to people and, um, showing my expressing my feelings and um, all that nature and so for a lot of for that factors you know it definitely hindered me from doing sports um, because I had this problem I had this insecurity um, as a kid and for some reason like I never felt like I can go to anyone you know it, I never had that person to kind of um, tap me on the shoulder and say things are okay just move on mm -hmm. um, you know, you can do better and kind of guide me through it. Um, I felt like that kind of went through my stages in high school. I went through the stages in college. And so for a lot of reasons, I was very shy and um, it was kind of hard to open up to people with, you know, certain topics. And so, um, you know, for those reasons, you know, it was really hard for me um, to really um, open up to a lot of people and um, do presentations and uh, stuff of that nature and so um, I don't know if you know you have your reason your perspective on you know your adolescent years and um, how it shaped you throughout you know your school and all that stuff like that yeah um, I guess like during my adolescent years I t didn't love my adolescent years I guess mm -hmm. um, just because I, I think like from what I recall I just felt kind of lost with who I like I didn't really know who I was or you know like how I really fit in um, I was always really outgoing I mean I was shy when I was in grade school I was very shy um, but then as I had gotten older really kind of through my adolescent years I had become a little bit more outgoing and um, you know so like that was never an issue but I just always kind of felt like I'd never really fit in mm -hmm. you know like majority of my friends were always white I really had like no Asian friends um, and I think that like definitely impacted me and through college mm. um, so it was it was challenging and then you know I know like for you it was challenging in a way where it was hard for you to feel like you can open up and then um, you know your your shyness was it was a big barrier for you at times yeah uh, definitely well I had to also mention too that uh, I was you know a Metco kid and for those who don't know who Mecca is, it is a program where they get people from the inner city to go to school out in the suburbs. And so um, I was Which living. So if you think about it, right, it's, yeah. it's like um, there, I guess, like at the time, like when they thought about it, it was like this way of integration or like, you know, uh, integrating like inner city children into like, a, you know, a 
pretty predominantly homogenous suburban community mm -hmm. and then like for me i guess like now as an adult i always just think about like ooh, like i think like the thought behind it was a great idea but i didn't really know like you know was it the most appropriate thing to you know take <laughs> take like you know inner kitty sit inner city kids and then like you know kind of just plop them into this like into these like white suburban neighborhoods like do you feel like that had a huge impact on you yeah it was definitely a culture shock you know um i mean lucky for me i mean i was pretty much open to a lot of things but you know i went from going to school you know for my elementary days you know even preschool in the inner city and then having to you know get into the meco program and you know take a long ass bus ride out to the suburban town and being in a very predominantly white school, you know, it was definitely a culture shock for me because, you know, these kids will look at me and they'll think like I'm some sort of rapper. And so um, they it was have, just yeah, stereotypes, all the stereotypes. And so yeah. I was going through all that, you know, at a young age. And so it was definitely very different for me. Um, it was definitely hard to find where, you know, I belonged, which which friend group, which, you know, all these things that really matters to most kids you know in high school and you know middle school like i was going through that you know it was like where do i stand you know um you know i just felt so different from other people and so uh, i felt different and i also dealt with my insecurities i was you know very shy at times and so um do you like where do you feel like that shyness came from when did you or when did you start the meco program so i started in sixth grade in sixth grade yes i okay um so like and prior to that you were just you were going to your going to your other public school right um so that's a pretty big change right when you're in sixth grade to be removed from that and mm -hmm. from the environment that you had grown up in right and it was, going to a whole different school yeah so it was a whole it was a whole different you know dynamic you know i know it was because i went from having a group of friends you know, back at the public school and then going to, you know, a whole different school where it's people who looked, who didn't look like me. Yeah. So like at a young age, you're like, where do I stand? And so, um, you know, it was definitely a huge culture shock. And I went to white schools, you know, starting in middle school. I uh, went through it in high school and even in college, you know, I was, mm -hmm. I went to, you know, a predominantly white college. Um, and it was just a huge you know difference you know for me you know it was definitely a lot did you feel like you had a good balance of friends though like did you feel like you felt obligated to like one group versus another group when you were in school well when i was in school you know i was you know i was definitely a tall guy you know i definitely um just went to different groups you know i was definitely kind of weird because i was very cordial and friendly with um, you know, the, the, the band squad, I was, you know, cool with, you know, the jocks, I was cool with, um, like the drama team. I was, I was cool with so many different groups, you know, um, you know, throughout, you know, my years of school because, um, I was so focused on finding my identity that I was just open to going anywhere. It's so, it's opposite for me. Yeah. Like I was very kind of like, my mind was so i i had like just i was like okay i i mean i think like unconsciously i just made friends with just like white people because that's what i grew up with and that's like all i felt comfortable with um and growing up i always just like looked at other asian kids not that there were that many of them in my you know in my town that i grew up in but I always was just like, oh, I don't want to. That's not like, that's not, that's not normal. So like that, you like definitely translated through college. And like, it just, it was like so normal to me to be like, wow, all my friends were white. And I don't think I even had like a single Asian friend except for like my sister. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean. And like, that was just like something I think like my parents had kind of like ingrained in my mind as like, oh, okay. Like, you know, you need to like be as like westernized as possible to survive like wow. that was really what they told me that's crazy yeah that's so crazy i mean so how would they feel if like you brought home um like another asian person like let's say if you found that one asian person like would you just gravitate to that person and 
I didn't. You didn't? No, okay. growing up, and like even th- just like through college, I really didn't start having Asian friends until after college. Wow. I had like uh, maybe like two close Asian friends when I was in college, but I just remember like all my friends were white. And it was not until probably towards the end of college or graduating from college was when I started to expand my my network and it was so in it was just like so crazy to me to reflect on it right now I mean I remember like at one point in college there was like a like a specific house that was just like you know like an Asian cultural house and I remember walking into it I think I was a junior in college and I walked into it and I was just like oh I would like to join because at that time I was kind of like trying to figure out my identity I felt like I was like lacking and having a you know I I felt like I wasn't close with my cultural identity so I walked into that house and I was just like I would like to join I want to be a part of this and you know what they said to me they were like no 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 because they knew me as like they knew me as like you know I only had white friends that's what they saw me as and that's what they knew me as and they would like tell they would call me whitewashed oh or the sellout yeah I was like a sellout and that I you know I was a sellout and that's and it's like it was just so crazy and like you know from then on it's like you know there were moments where i would experience the same thing they're just like oh you're so whitewashed you're not really asian and it's just like come on yeah like come on now. like you can really choose whatever you know group it's like i to. am asian it's you know like it's it's just so crazy they're like well you're not really asian because you don't have any asian friends or you like never date asian guys and um or it's just like really stupid things and like i kind of felt like that really created like barriers into like well is like do i really want to like try and explore my cultural identity when Mm -hmm. i feel rejected right exactly and so it's really hard to kind of find like that niche if you're going to be like rejected you know in different aspects and so i know for me you know once i went into the different um once I went into the medical program, mm-hmm. um, I was automatically with, you know, the black, you know, group of people because obviously we're on the, the bus together heading over to um, the suburban town. Mm-hmm. And so I automatically was in that group. But once we got off that bus, you know, we're in a whole different world. And so um, even for me, you know, I still had, you know, black friends, but, you know, I still had trouble finding my identity because um, I was in a whole different world and I felt like I needed to be um, friends with everyone but at the same time you know it was definitely different because I was shy so um, for a lot of things I was doing a lot of um, weird stuff to kind of fit in you know and so what um, kind of weird stuff um, I'll get into weird groups so um, I remember I got into of uh, the band, I got into a oh, band. Oh, you did band. Did band oh, for a little that's bit great. for like a week, and I just said oh. I just just didn't work out for me. And um, I remember I was in the choir, you know. You did choir. Or, or the, the chorus, the chorus. Oh, chorus. Okay. I was in the chorus, and so <laughs> you know, just didn't really work out. Yeah. Um, I know deep down, you know, I always wanted to play basketball, um, but because I dealt with so much trauma as a little kid and being so shy it kind of hindered me from being at my full potential. Um, so you didn't play basketball in high school? So I, I did. Or like growing up? I, well, I played it. You know, I, I definitely played a lot of pickup um, mm-hmm. growing up with, like, my friends playing pickup. Um, I did try out for the basketball team. I made the squad, you know, uh, I think freshman year. Uh, but from sophomore year, junior year, and senior year, mm-hmm. you know, I never, ever made the team because... Uh, for so many times during during tryouts, you know, I would always be so nervous on who's watching me. You know, I was never really focused on, you know, the game itself, you know, so focused so on you, who was around me. So you cared a lot about what other people thought of you. That's what it was. I cared so much. And so um, I think that kind of started off when I was a kid, you know, um, being in the home. And so um, I never really was taught that, you know, you have to ignore the noise out there and just, you know, do what you're really focused on. And so um, for those reasons, you know, I really struggled a lot in, you know, the sports. But um, I was very athletic. Though. I was very athletic. You know, I, I, I knew in practice by myself I was really good. Mm-hmm. I knew during pickup, you know, I was, you know, decent. But 
Um, when it came to, you know, actual organized basketball, you know, I really, you know, struggled on that aspect because I was so conscious about everyone else around me. And How so, did you overcome that? Or do you feel like you're still working on it? Um, I think I'm still working on it, but I'm so much better. Yeah. Um, how I was able to overcome it and be better at it was, I think, just practicing and um, just just knowing that, you know, people don't care. Yeah. You know, people are going to judge, but at the same exact time, you know, nobody's perfect. Yeah. And so that's what I always thought, you know, nobody's perfect. You know, we all make mistakes. Um, and I think just, you know, repetition. Mm-hmm. Repetition always, you know, um, is his best advocate, you know, and so... That's what I always did. I always think, like, the older you get, the, like, less you give a shit about what other people think about you. That's why you see old folks. <laughs> old folks are just, ah, get the hell out of here, you know? No, they, because, no, I'm growing up as a kid, yeah, I was cautious. I was, like, I mean, I wasn't, like, super self-conscious about, like, how other people perceived me. But, yeah, like, I definitely cared a lot more than I do now. Because now I'm just, like, whatever. I don't really care. It's just, like, yeah, whatever. whatever. If you don't like me, you don't like me. Yeah, exactly. And, like, in... Sometimes too, like there's gonna be times where like you're not gonna see that person ever again. Yeah, like, you're seeing them like, for the why? first time, right. so it's like, why do I care if this person's gonna think of me this way? It's like, and I also learn that like sometimes you're just overthinking it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people are not gonna um, perceive how you're gonna perceive it. You do know, you what have I mean? a little bit of anxiety. Me? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think so, but I mean, I do have maybe it's like situational anxiety i think so yeah i think that's what i that's what it was or what it could be now i'm not too sure but always um wanted things to be perfect always had a game plan in my mind of how things were going to be orchestrated and so just like how at the beginning of this podcast you were overthinking about how you were gonna like to even start the podcast yeah yeah i mean of course i mean i want to be perfect i want the viewers to you know engage and you know like the podcast and so I guess, Denise, I guess I'm still going through it right now. So I guess, whatever. (laughs) It's out there. I got situation anxiety. Whatever. So. Yeah. Yes, I mean, you know, like I said, nobody's perfect. You know, Mm -hmm. we're all still trying to figure out, you know, where we are in this life. And so um, I'm actually, like, I'm I'm happy that I went through what I did in in high school because I wouldn't be where I am today without, you know, those traumas and, Mm -hmm. you know, if it wasn't for those traumas, I wouldn't be able to um, work on them and, mm-hmm. um, you know, be where I am today. Yeah. Do you feel like there was something that, I guess, like, like from your childhood, like, do you remember, like, if there was anything that really triggered you to feel that way? Like, feel like you, you know, you were very self-conscious about how people perceived you and that, like, made you really shy and that made you really scared to, I guess, like, open up to people or be outgoing? Like, was there anything particular about childhood or was it because really from, you know, your parents not really teaching you? Like, was there a, a specific moment that you remember? Um, I don't think there was a specific moment. I mean, I know there's moments where, you know, I wouldn't say I was bullied, but I was laughed at. And I remember just mm-hmm. feeling the embarrassment. Yeah. Um, and just not knowing what to do. You know, I just remember those moments. Um, there's nothing that I can think of in particular, but um, I remember going through that or through those moments and then um, obviously not being taught, you know, mm-hmm. how, to, how to overcome it. You know, um, kind of like how to really manage those emotions, right? It sounds like you were kind of like left to your own devices to kind of manage what you were feeling in those moments exactly and i was a young kid and so as a young kid you don't really know you don't really know what direction to kind of go you're just kind of winging it you know um you're thinking a lot and so um i dealt with that a lot when i was a little kid and um you would think you know i had all these brothers i had you know three brothers and one sister you would think you know at some point you know we can kind of help out but um are they different from you? Really different, or no? We're all we're all the same. We're all you know very you know high upbeat you know uh, high humor you know mm-hmm. group of people. But at the same time, like I had siblings who kind of we kind of did our own thing. Yeah. But like we're in the same house, house but like we always kind of did our own thing. And so um, for me, then it was kind of hard for me to reach out. And so um, that's why I, at a young age I had to try to figure things out on my own. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, I guess 
um, my mistakes were my life lessons, I guess. And so, um, like I said before, you know, I definitely wouldn't change anything that happened before mm -hmm. um, because, you know, it definitely helped, you know, where I am today. Yeah. And so, you know, I know you had your traumas, you know, yeah. being excluded from certain groups. And I know. Um, yeah, feeling like I didn't belong for majority of my life. Um, yeah, I like definitely agree. And I think it. It, like it shaped it definitely shaped me to be who I am today um, and I'm actually like really happy that I went through went through that you know um, I mean even though it took like a long time for me to even like realize or acknowledge I guess acknowledge it I, I yeah acknowledge it I like knew that something felt weird and that I didn't really feel like I could be myself or or anything like that. I was like, you know, embarrassed by my family, you know, like things like that. And I ne like for the longest time, I never wanted to acknowledge it, but I'm glad that I went through what I did go through. And um, I'm like happy to be like where I am today. Awesome, awesome, yeah. awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad you, you went through those trials and tribulations to, you know, be where you are today. And so, mm -hmm. you know, um, we all have a, a story to tell. There's always, um, you know where you started and you know um how things end and so i think that's really awesome denise i really think that's really good um so yeah let's see um my next question here is uh do you feel as if having a family will help support your dream or uh will it shift it oh i think it could go either way to be honest because like i think like there are i mean there are families that may project their own dreams of like what they see you doing and it might not necessarily align with like what you actually want to do um, and I know for myself like my parents really wanted you know they were just like the typical like Asian tiger parents and they were just like you need to excel in everything you need to play all the instruments like you need to be a doctor like that's the end-all be-all career mm -hmm. And like that doesn't necessarily like mean it was what I wanted to do and like what was going to really make me happy. So I like know my parents meant well, but I felt like I didn't have enough room really to figure out like what I wanted to do as well. Mm -hmm. So I know that I think like your parents can be a, they could be support they could be it could be positive and negative at the same time. I think that's how I feel. Yeah. I Wrong the money. So, I mean, even for me, too. I mean, like you said, you had, you know, Asian uh, tiger. Yeah, tiger parents. <laughs> I don't know what the hell. Tiger parents. Okay, so an Asian, yeah, if, for people who don't know what, it, what a tiger mom or like tip, the typical phrase, the typical, I guess, like phrase is like tiger mom. And like a typical tiger mom, I know it's like super stereotypical, like, do, you know, don't repeat it. But I, so it's basically like a tiger mom is like a, a parent who pushes their kids to excel in everything mm. like they need to be a plus or not or like you know or that's not good enough if mm. it's not a plus it's not good enough like you need to be doing the most being the best out of all the other kids and like there are the ones that you know you're kind of scared of like i was scared of my mom because i would be so scared to tell her oh i got a b plus instead of an a like i never thought a b plus was good enough Mm. And like that's what it, that's that's like I guess the gist of what a tiger mom or a tiger parent would be. So it's funny. I mean, like there's always that you know stereotypes that like the Asian kids were just like smart. So now you got me thinking that like damn, Which it's, isn't it's, true it's, all it's, the time, it isn't right? true. But I guess like if they are smart, I mean, I guess it's pressured. You know, I guess they're probably like you're forced to have to perform and just be like always on the top and it's like i think a lot of it is just culturally related like in asian culture there's this like idea where you're called like you know like saving face or like giving face and it's like just like how you appear to other people mm -hmm. like you never want to be like cause your family any sort of shame and like that's so important so like you know if your children were excelling in everything then like yeah all the more reason for like your parents to brag to other families about you mm -hmm. and it's like oh you know like if a family was not doing well then like all the other families would like talk about them behind their backs and it's like so shameful it's so embarrassing so it's like that's i think like a lot of where i 
felt like there was so much pressure growing up to always like have to be the best and like always have to excel in everything and like I, yeah it is positive like you know I went to I I was the first my sister and I we were the first um people in our family ever to go to college mm. and get a higher degree and not to even mention like finishing college but also going to get our master's and like you know my sister got her doctorate's degree so like you know like we are very I think like education wise like we're very well accomplished but I don't think that that necessarily defines like you know I think a successful person yeah no that's a lot of pressure you know to you know have to deal with that I know my personal you know experience you know I definitely deal with those um, cultural, you know, behaviors with my parents, you know, with my Nigerian background, you know, them coming from Nigeria and coming here and having to do things at an early age and having to work their tail off, you know, um, they definitely expected so much um, from me and my siblings, you know, to be at our best. And, you know, for those out there, you know, there's always, um, for Nigerian parents, you know, they only expect their children, the children to be in only three uh, professions, and that's uh, a doctor or um, a lawyer or uh, engineer, and so... Um, Which is something I didn't know. Pretty much I thought it was just only Asian parents that expected no, their kids to be in those parents, professions. I mean, they, they want that because they feel like that's like the top, that's the top job that's going to get you the most money. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that's why, you know, they had so much pressure on going back to school and mm -hmm. um, being at your best and um, it was a lot of pressure because I wasn't very book smart, you know, and so whenever um, I would come home and give my parents, you know, a test saying that I got a B, it's like, no, it's not good enough. Yeah. To my standards, like that, a B is, is good because I wasn't very book smart. But to my parents, they were just like, no, you need to get like an A, you know, you got to be like, you know, your cousin here or be like this person. And so it was almost like, you know, they had this cult, you know, all the parents, Nigerian parents, you know, talking together. And it was almost like they were just comparing their kids. And so, um, did you wear like all your siblings really good at school too? Uh, just, well, my sister was probably the only one. Um, um, all of the boys were very distracted. We were more, um, into the popular popularity contest or yeah. into, you know, uh, um, being good at sports. Um, and so we were very um, creative, you know, in, in that aspect, in that aspect. But as far as like, education, we never really took that really too serious. And Did so, you feel like your parents like wanted you guys to excel like in education or like were they disappointed that that didn't happen? Um, so for my parents, um, they always were disappointed, you know, whenever we would um not bring home, you know... Screw up. You know, basically, basically, yeah, basically screw up, yes, to, to you know, um, help me out here. So, yeah, so definitely, um, for my parents, they definitely were not happy, but it wasn't, like, a huge disappointment, you know? Um, the only thing that um, burned in our heads was the comparison to other, mm -hmm. other groups out there. Yeah. You know, like, you're not like this person here. You're not like mm -hmm. uncles, you know... Mm -hmm. You know, son, you're not you're not this person because um, that was the only thing that always that I always thought about was me not being up to my dad's standards. And I remember um, pondering a lot, you know, during those moments because um, you know I couldn't live up to those standards and expectations. Yeah, you feel so like was, you disappointed them. Exactly. Yeah. So like they never said they're disappointed, but mm -hmm. you know the 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 fact of them saying that made me feel disappointed. Yeah. 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 I hear you. And like, I was just thinking about like, to my, like, if I were to tell my younger self, like, you know, give myself advice, like, what would you give your young, like, what advice would you give your younger self or, or maybe to like someone who is younger and in a similar position where, you know, there are such high expectations from their parents and high standards and, or maybe their parents pressuring them to you know, move towards like one career path or one goal that they're not 100% happy in, or maybe like, you know, maybe, or just like, you know, I think there's like just a difference in opinions. Like what would you, what advice would you give? I would say for me personally, I would say do what's best for you. Um, find your niche, mm -hmm. 
-hmm. you know there's money in a lot of things out there but it's not always about money <laughs> all right okay. let's not lie here money money does bring happiness people no not all the time it is it does help with maybe stress. too much money is is, is not going to carry happiness but money does help the people know that but um yeah definitely find you know your niche find what makes you feel comfortable um you don't have to always do what your parents tell you um i know from your parents experience you know it may seem right to them but sometimes do what makes you feel good because at the end of the day um you're gonna have to go through that process of school you know and you don't want to be miserable doing a major or yeah. being part of a major that you don't feel comfortable in so definitely do your you know find your place in this world you know it definitely takes time mm -hmm. but you know definitely find what truly makes you happy and just attack it attack it attack it attack it attack it you know if you're thinking about it every day then that's pretty much yeah. what your passion is and what you feel um what makes you feel good and yeah so. yeah no i i agree and i think you know even though your parents might mean well and they want you to go towards this you know this career path or you know do something completely different that you may not agree with i think it's important like joe said to really kind of figure out who you are like what you are super passionate about and like don't give up on that and mm -hmm. just continue to like work towards that and i think at the end of the day um you know when you know when whatever you choose whatever you get yourself into your parents will see how happy you are and how successful you've made it you know it might not be like what they ideally would want you to do but that does not mean that you should give up on what you ultimately want for yourself and what makes you happy exactly you know i can give um, a good example uh with my sister um so she was very book smart um she was in the fields of biology um graduated and uh, my parents you know they you know advocated for her to continue her studies and my sister you know she thought you know now, I like biology, but I don't love it. Mm -hmm. You know, what she really loved was to um, record and um, do photography um, and all that nature. And at first, my parents, they wasn't uh, so happy about it. They were very opposed to the idea. Yeah. But then my sister, she didn't listen to that. You know, she kept going. She kept um, doing her research. You know, she ended up buying the equipment for all the things that she needed for her uh, photography and she ended up um having a passion in it and now you know she's starting to get more successful at it she's starting to get more praise um she's getting more recognition from people in the city of boston and even people outside of uh the state of massachusetts and you know fast forward to today you know now my parents are realizing the work and seeing how far she's come with uh, her passion and are now supporting it but before when she brought the idea of doing photography you know in videography you know they were opposed to it and so um oh i'm sure they were probably like so nervous yeah because like being like a stable career right exactly because they're thinking like what if it's a fail like you wasted right. all this time not going to school you're focused on this this is just a distraction mm -hmm. but at the end of the day she did what she felt was in her heart as like her passion and something she can do long term so yeah. Yeah. That's what I encourage people out there is, you know, if this is what you really want to do, whether it's, you know, doing nails or, you know, playing professionally in sports and um, um, or even being a photographer, being a photographer, or doing music or, or yeah. doing, doing, doing a podcast, yeah. you know, you know, um, this wasn't for me. This wasn't um, an idea early on, but this was something that, like, I realized that I can do. I can make put my voice out there and um this was something that was fun to me this is you know um i wish i started this a lot earlier but you know um it's never too late never too late exactly so a lot of people out there you know who are still trying to find themselves you know um you know keep working at it you know keep going with the flow um don't put too much pressure on yourself you know um take take your day you know day by day basically yeah so i agree i yeah. definitely agree yeah definitely agree so um let's see so yeah i mean with my family you know they always taught you know a hard you know work ethic and to practice 
religion um, in a lot of matters. And so I feel like that definitely helped um, shape me today. Um, I feel like with my dreams. And so um, without my parents instilling those religious practices, I wouldn't have the faith. Um, I know every single day I pray, you know, um, to God and I always, you know, thank him for forgiveness, I always um, ask God to, you know, uh, find that path for me. And so I've always had that faith and I, you know, definitely thank, you know, my parents for, you know, instilling that in me. Mm -hmm. um, and literally i don't know if you practice if you have a practice or if you no have a i'm actually not religious okay all right i mean like i yes i do believe in god and that i i'll pray but i'm definitely you know religion was never something that was super important to me in my life um mm -hmm. but yeah oh I, I was actually just like thinking i'm like you know i i definitely do think like like for you religion was really important mm -hmm. um and like for me it was like you know my parents were really important to me and then i was then i was just thinking like well you know but what about folks who don't have parents mm. right and then i and but then you know then i was and then i started thinking I'm like you know my friends were extremely important to me right my friends were really kind of like helped me help to shape me um and like kind of like move in that in the direction or you know they've been a huge support to me because it wasn't like you know every single it wasn't like my parents we always had a positive relationship it was never like that mm -hmm. it was always up it was always up and down you know my mom and I disagreed a lot on like what she thought was best for me um you know my dad and I are kind of close not extremely close but you know my parents have always been important to me but then I started thinking about like huh who are like our other supports that have really shaped my life and I think like my friends have really um and then you know I think like teachers that I've had in my life and um like in jobs my colleagues my bosses so I was just thinking about all that oh yeah so yeah for me too I mean so not only families but um a lot of the things that I know today you know is definitely from uh experiences with work and um classmates and teachers and so um, life is his best teacher too and so that's definitely a very good point um, and you know yeah so that's um, we all have different you know influences in life we definitely have we definitely gravitate towards you know different factors of life mm -hmm. that help you know uh, build us today and so you know I think that's you know really important you know really important and so um, I know for me I was the youngest I was the youngest of you know five children so um, I think my biggest lessons was learning from my older siblings and seeing what they did and be like, all right, hell no, I'm not doing that. You know, they, I see what they went through. I see the consequences they had to deal with. And I said, okay, F that. I'm not going to go through that route. And so I think I am very fortunate enough to be the youngest and um, to be at that age and to see, you know, how they did things and to know what to avoid and what to go to. And so... Um, I know um, there's these, these stereotypes about, you know, the youngest, you know, being um, um, always getting all the praise and always getting all the attention. But um, I mean, for me and my family, mm -hmm. we were all like well balanced. We all it got wasn't like that for you. Yeah, exactly. So mm -hmm. um, I don't know about you and like your family and um, if there were any like lessons that I learned. Yeah. Or like, like how did I or. Well, I mean, I didn't have an older sibling because I had a twin sister. So there was like, oh, so no... it was just, just y'all two. Yeah, my mom didn't want any more kids. Oh, us. damn. <laughs> well, one, it was... So it was just us. That, it was literally just my sister. So she was one and done. My mom and my dad. It was just the four of us. Um, and so she was one and done, but ended up having twins. And she was like, all right. Yeah, so basically, and, yeah and that was it. And, you know, I didn't special. have, yeah, I didn't have any like relatives that lived near us. Um, our relatives were either, ha you know, across the country or in China so it was really growing up it was just the four of us mm. so like that's I think like you know even though my parents and I we disagreed a lot and we would argue and fight you know, like we were we it because we just only had each other we were so like we had a tight-knit like you know relationship and community together and you know I think like those that's probably why you know even till this day like I definitely do Want, I take my like 
parents' advice and suggestions to heart. You know, it's like if they didn't like something that, if say if they were like, oh, I don't like this person that you're with, then like to me it's so important mm -hmm. to like, you know, to for them to, for me to like hear them and like, you know, take their advice. So yeah, yeah. You know, well for me it was it was kind of different because I mean. Um, my brothers, they had all these, you know, girlfriends, you know, growing up and, you know, I'm just watching them go through their experiences, you know, um, getting their approvals or disapprovals, you know, from my parents and just being like, damn, mm -hmm. maybe I shouldn't bring, you know, a girlfriend to my parents because, you know, how they perceived it in. Um, or like you were scared that they were going to disapprove. Yeah, disapprove. Or then again, I would have to see the girlfriends that they had and try to get the opposite. You know what I mean? Really? So, yeah, so that's how I kind of felt. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I mean, I was definitely fortunate enough to be the youngest and to see, you know, what my brothers had gone through. And um, like I said earlier, you know, I knew what to avoid. I knew how to counteract on certain things because my brothers had gone through it. And so, um, yeah, so I was very fortunate to be the, the youngest um, in that aspect. So Yeah, no, it sounds like it. I didn't really... <laughs> You, you never saw it that way? I literally way? just, huh? You never saw it that way? or No, no, um, no. I, I mean, like, I think it's great that you had your older siblings to kind of, like, look at and see, you know, like, what paths they ended up choosing. And then it gave you a better understanding of where you saw yourself and what you didn't. Like, at least you had an idea of what you didn't like what you didn't want to do and I didn't I didn't have that you know I kind of just really took my parents word for it and then also just um you know stayed around like friends that my parents like felt like were good influences on me mm -hmm. you know like they always wanted to meet my friends and they always wanted to know who I was hanging out with so then it helped I think you know they really helped to like mold my way into like you know adulthood to making sure I was going in the right direction um, so you're saying like you're pretty much like a product of your parents? Because yeah, basically. I mean, yeah, like, I, I guess. I think like my parents ultimately, I mean, now that I'm older, I think I realize that all the pressure that they had put on me when I was younger was for, to benefit me. Mm -hmm. I, at the time when I was younger, I thought that they were, I didn't like it at all. I really hated it. Um, but now I really realize like, you know, they just wanted me to do well in life and be able to provide when they weren't able to at times because, you know, they didn't get the same education that I did. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't have a lot of career options coming coming here. Um, you know, they didn't want me to work so hard like they worked so hard for us. Mm -hmm. um, so they definitely like molded us and um, yeah, and I'm not mad about it anymore. You know, I think like I'm still, I still was able to differentiate myself from my parents, but at the same time, I think they definitely were a huge influence in my life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, same thing with my parents, you know, they were a huge influence. Um, as a kid, you know, I was a little stubborn. I know um, as kids, you know, your parents would say certain things and you would pretty much do the opposite. And that was pretty much like my case because um, you know, I was young, I was reckless, you know, I was stupid, I was very ignorant, you know, I, whatever my parents wanted us to do, I always felt like, you know, it's, it's a different generation, you know, what you guys did as, as you guys were kids is much different now. And I remember seeing my brothers do it first, mm -hmm. do the complete opposite of what my parents wanted. And mm -hmm. I remember just getting the thrill of seeing them I, I felt like i needed to do the same exact thing at times and so wait but then you knew the consequences that came with yeah them, exactly right? exactly but those certain things that they did that was very bad that i knew not to do because they went through it um and then there were certain things that i knew were bad but mm -hmm. you can sort of get away with it there's some leeway and so i would still kind of like do testing it testing the boundaries testing the boundaries you know staying out late coming home sneaking home sneaking out um, things of that nature, you know, I saw like, my brothers do that. And so, uh, your brothers, if you're watching this, I'm sorry to rat you guys out. But um, that was pretty much, you know, what I saw, you know, growing up as a kid. But um, now that I'm a, a grown man now, basically, you know, I definitely um, can thank my parents, you know, that they've, um, the advice that they tried to give us. And now I'm starting to slowly understand why, you know, they had those lessons and why they um they they wanted us to prevent us from doing certain things was because they wanted to do it for our own benefits and mm -hmm. so 
Um, parents, mom and dad, I love you for what you've done when I was a kid. So. Oh, um, that's so sweet. Yes, 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 yes. Um, yeah. So Denise, if there's anything else you want to say? Um, no, this was really great. I, yeah. I like really appreciated everything you shared with me, and you know, being vulnerable on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like really enjoyed the conversation. It was really great. Yeah, perfect, perfect. Yeah. yeah, we didn't cry today, so I wanted I wanted Denise to There's cry no, today. No, no tears. No tears I don't today. Cry. Maybe on the next episode we'll have her cry. But <laughs> but yeah, so I mean, uh, thank you for you know coming in and helping me out with this podcast. You know, it was really great to bring you on. You know, you definitely brought in some great points, and um, your worldview is definitely going to be relatable to a lot of people, a lot of people in the audience who are listening and tuning in. Um, yeah, thank you. This is very special. Um, this is only the third episode, so yeah. Thank you for having me. I'll, you know, if you ever do, you know, in the future need another guest, I'd be more than happy to come back on. Yes, sir. The realest podcast out here, and we are about to tune out. Thank you guys for tuning in. And before I forget, please like and subscribe. This video is brought to you by the best host in the world. Please like, subscribe, uh, show some love, share it, do whatever you can. Show your mama, show your grandmama, show your kids. Definitely show some love. Um, this is very special, guys. I really love you guys for doing this. Um, this is the real talk. All right. Bye. Peace out. <laughs>